Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Christian Cape, a Washington Huskies writer for The Athletic. Christian, good morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing all right. We're trying to figure out uh, how, well, basically how magical Chris Peterson is. Can he pull a rabbit out of a hat? A team that just lost a lot of guys, especially off defense, and just run them right back out there and win a third conference title in four years. How realistic is that? I think it's relatively realistic. Um, it does seem that they're to the point in the Chris Peterson era where, yeah, no matter what they lose, people just kind of assume that, that they're going to be a good team and one of the best teams in the Pac-12 kind of until further notice. Um, I do think that there are a lot of pieces to like. Um, this is, in terms of the, you know, the, if you took the average recruiting ranking out of high school of every player on the roster, this is the most talented roster that they've had. Uh, it's just that the majority of those four-star blue-chip type recruits are in the true freshman and redshirt freshman classes. So um, I think there's a lot of young talent. There's a number of those young guys who are going to have to play big roles this year. Um, there's a lot of guys, especially in the defensive front seven, from that 2018 signing class. So I think they're going to have to rely on a lot, obviously. Uh, everybody's going to talk about the quarterback position, and, and that's a very intriguing battle right now between Jacob Eason and Jake Hayner. I think most still assume Jacob Eason's going to emerge from that and, and be their starter and um, kind of already starting to think about some of the things that, that he can do for the passing game that maybe Jake Browning couldn't. But I think there's going to be a learning curve there. and um, This is going to be a team that, again, is going to – rely on its running game offensively and and rely on I think what they think could still be a pretty stout defense so then speak about Eason as far as his credentials we know he's a local guy and then went off to Georgia and you know you listen to people talk and read stuff and you just mentioned it yourself about being better than Browning at what level is he going to be better? What I mean by that, is he going to be a better thrower, better runner? How long is it going to take for him to get to where those expectations are met? All those types of things. Yeah, I think what people look at the most is just the arm talent. And the fact that this is a guy who is a legitimate six foot six, you know, 227-pound NFL-looking quarterback. And then you add to that that he's, you know, he can can throw the ball 60 yards down the field with the flick of a wrist, and it just looks really, really easy coming off of his hand. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that Jake Browning could do as a four-year starter in that offense that I'm not sure any new quarterback is going to be able to just pick up from day one um, in terms of a lot of the pre-snap stuff and just how much uh, autonomy he had to to move things around and check in and out of running plays and check protections and, and get them into the right play. Um, he was really good at that, and he could handle about as much as any quarterback is ever going to be able to handle in Chris Peterson's offense from that perspective. So I don't expect Jacob Eason or, or anybody to be where Browning was in that regard. But, you know, I think just opening up the middle of the field, having a guy with, with a strong arm who can fit the ball into tight windows and um, yeah, having an attitude at which is what they want of giving receivers chances to make plays and not necessarily needing a guy to be wide, wide open by two whole steps before delivering it. But Hey, if you've got man coverage with a, a Ty Jones or a Hunter Bryan or an Aaron Fuller, put the ball up and, and give him a chance to go, go catch that and, and make a tough play. So um, yeah, I think it's going to take a little while for him to sort of settle into his groove. It, you know, by the time, the opener comes around it'll have been basically two years since he last started a game at quarterback but 
um, you know, I, I think the physical talent is there, and there, there's a lot of reason, I think, for people to be excited about what he can do once he settles in. So Puka Dakua went to school at Orem High School here uh, on the Wasatch Front, and I've seen you tweeting about him. Has he just hit the ground running and just been awesome up there, and he'll be another wide receiver that got away from the local schools that will irritate fans here? <laughs> yeah, he, he just might. Um, I think uh, folks down there, from, from talking to them, you know, since he committed to Washington, have, have kind of said that he's a guy they really expect to be a, a first-year impact type of player. Whether he starts or not, you know, we'll, we'll see, and, and it's a long season, and, and certainly he could work his way toward that lineup. But I wouldn't be surprised if his name was on the depth chart um, when it came out, whenever that, that happens. I think, you know, he's you see how easy some of the tough catches for are, are for him and, and just how much that catch radius shows up. He just is, is clearly a, a very uh, instinctive player, um, doesn't, doesn't fight the ball. He comes into his hands smoothly. Uh, it sounded like he had a pretty good scrimmage um, in front of the, the season ticket holders that they held the other day. And you know, I'm. I'd be interested to see him go up against the ones and the twos more. I think, you know, we media got to see five days of practice, and he was mostly with the threes, I believe. But um, you know, he looked good. And anytime Chris Peterson is asked to single out players, and and he says a player's name, um, I put a lot of stock in that because he's like a lot of coaches is kind of loath to to give you a list of standouts. But yesterday when. When he was asked, you know, who their true freshmen were, who were really standing out, Puka Nakua was one of the three guys he, he named. So, um, you know, I think that you, you're seeing everything that you kind of heard about his reputation as a player in high school, and um, it looks like it's translating pretty well, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays this year. So defensively, you look at Washington, and it seems that if you're going to point to one question mark, it's that, that side of the ball with only two full-time starters returning. But at the same time, you know, they got a couple linebackers who are coming back from injury who've had experience, so it's a little bit more than two. And then also the DBs. It just seems like that is an assembly factory. If you want to be a defensive back in the NFL, you come to Washington. I think like four of the five last year gone to the NFL and obviously Miles Bryant is back and he's probably going to get there himself. So how many serious question marks are there on defense? Because I'm expecting these guys to be good again. Yeah, I think that the front six, I probably, you know, I catch myself saying front seven, they play a base nickel. So it's really like a, a front six. Um, is, they, they've got some depth issues there and they, they do have bodies. Um, you know, it's not like they, they don't have enough guys to roll through there. They just don't have much experience depth. So you lose Ben Burkirvan and Tevis Bartlett up the middle at linebacker. Uh, but you do have Brandon Wellington back. He's a senior. You know, he's, I think, a strong candidate to lead them in tackles this year. He's healthy again after um, he came back from an ACL injury to play in 10 games last year, started the last two. Um, you know, they've got a, a fifth-year senior, Kyler Manu, who hasn't really played a lot of football next to him and then a couple of, of redshirt freshmen kind of behind them on the depth. So you, you see where, where the, the inexperience shows up a little bit. And then on the defensive front, you know, they've moved Benning Potoi inside. He played outside linebacker for the first three years of his career. So I think you can pair him with Levi Onzerike, who um, you know, could sort of be their, their next D-line star. He started five games last year, pretty disruptive guy in the backfield. I think you pair him with Potoa probably um, as the starting duo, but 
you know, Ikaika Malloy, the, the D-line coach, likes to rotate a ton of personnel through there. So I'm, I'm sure you'll see five or six guys regularly playing those two interior spots. Um, you know, Josiah Bronson, a fifth-year senior, former walk-on who, who just earned a scholarship. I think he's going to be in the rotation. Um, and then a pair of, of redshirt freshmen, um, Tuli Latuli Nasanoa and, and Taki Taimani, who were both four-star guys in the 2018 class that they felt really good about, who you know played just a little bit last year in a couple games while maintaining their redshirt status. Um, you know, I think those are, are sort of the, the two guys who are next in line in that that big run stopper, clog the middle role. So, you know, that's that's five guys they feel good about. They, they just lost John Clark, another senior, um, to a, a season-ending knee injury. Um, like Bronson, he had just turned a scholarship. So, and pretty disappointing news for him in, in his last year. So that that certainly hurts the depth a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I think that that's another position where you're going to see some young guys play. So, I'm curious what the fan base and the administration expects out of Washington football. Are they at the point where this is kind of a rebuilding year and and anybody who wants it better go get the conference title this year? Are they really set up to be good next year? And is that good enough, or do people want them to just reload and be there every year? And you know, preseason predictions don't have them that far away this year. Yeah, I think that it's reached the point where the expectation is that they will be competing for the North Division title every year. Um and, you know, I think that, let alone Washington's fans, that's nearly the expectation for media covering the conference. I mean, they were one point behind Oregon in the North in the preseason media poll. So, you know, I, I just think until they go through uh, sort of a, a downward cycle, the assumption is just going to be that Chris Peterson and Washington are going to be right there. Now, if they slip a bit and, you know, let's say they, they go 8-4 and four or something like that, they're not at a point where that's just unforgivable and no one can possibly see that coming or accept it um, just because, you know, they do have a, a new starting quarterback. They do have a lot of starters to replace defensively. I think it would be understandable if they took a slight step back, but um, the, the vibe around the program is that it's trending up. And whether that means they're going to win 10, 11 games again this year or not, yeah, going into 2021, 20 or 2020 2021 2022 i think that's when people really expect this program to sort of hit that sweet spot and then and really sort of take things to the next level based on the way that they've recruited and performed so far so oregon's offensive line is getting a ton of run as the best in the conference but you look at washington and they return four starters and then the guy they don't return was supposed to be as a starter anyway uh because of injury was Trey Adams and he was supposed to be a high pick. And so I assume he's healthy and he's going to slide in there at left tackle with that in mind. I know they lose miles Gaskin and Mott is back as a, Ahmed is back as a runner, but I'm wondering, does it really matter as long as they have a decent running back with that offensive line, they should have success moving the ball on the ground. Yeah. That's like, I've kind of been saying recently that as much attention and rightfully so as there is on the, the quarterback battle and, and, you know, people pondering what Jacob Eason might mean for this offense. I think this is going to be a team that runs the heck out of the ball and really relies on that to set up everything else, just like they did when they had Miles Gaskin. Um, you know, Savan Ahmed is a different back than Gaskin. I think it remains to be seen whether he's a, a true, you know, handed to him 20 times a game between the tackles type runner. Um, certainly he's one of the more explosive players in the conference when you get him in space and, 
he's been outstanding outside the tackles and taking the ball on on reverses and on fly sweeps and and he's the kind of guy you can you can run quick screen passes for and then all those sorts of things but um, other than him, they also have Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant, who are a couple of juniors who have gotten some significant playing time uh, last year and have been relied on in, in some pretty big spots and come through for them. So yeah, I think that, you know, obviously you don't replace a, a guy like Miles Gaskin, the, the school's all-time leading rusher, um, you know, with, with just one guy and, and call it good. But as you said, they've got as veteran and experienced and talented of, of an offensive line as Chris Peterson has ever had at Washington. And they've got a trio of running backs who have played a bunch. And, you know, Ahmed, I think, is, is pretty clearly the number one option there. And, and he's going to be the number one guy for the first time in his career. So it'll be interesting to see how he sort of adapts to that role. Um, but uh, there's, there's a lot to like about their running game. And, and you're right, it, it does start up front. We're joined right now by the Washington Huskies beat writer for The Athletic, Christian Capel. He's joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. You know, watching the Pac-12 title game, Chris Peterson seemed really reluctant to kick field goals. And if you look, and I went back and looked at the stats for Peyton Henry, uh, he was decent, but it was all inside of 40 yards. They really didn't want to give him anything outside of there. Is he... What's the state of the kicking game going forward, and is Chris Peterson go for it on fourth down guy, touchdowns or bust, or where's this going? Yeah, I think that when they signed Tim Horn, who is a pretty highly touted kicker out of Hawaii um, in this 2019 class, the expectation is you know, that's kind of the one spot where if you use a scholarship on a guy, you expect him to compete right away as a freshman. Um, and that that's happened. You know, I think he's been given an opportunity right along uh, Peyton Henry in camp sounded like they both had a pretty good day uh, at the scrimmage the other day. Um, I, I expect Peyton Henry to, to hold on to that job. You know, it's it, last year. It's kind of a, uh, interesting to analyze for him, right? I mean, he was 16 of 22, which you would never say is bad for a, a redshirt freshman walk on. Um, but yeah, you, you look at the distance and his long was 41. Obviously he missed the 37 yarder that they could have won the game at Oregon and that's sort of the kick everybody remembers. And then it did seem like after that, there, there wasn't a lot of faith from Chris Peterson when it came, you know, okay, it's, it's fourth down and, and you're sort of in that, you know, 34 to, to 40 yard range. You, you sort of did see them go for it more. It seemed like, especially in that Pac-12 championship game. So I think that the, the next step for Peyton Henry um, or whoever it is, I do think it's going to be Henry, but you never know. And then things could always change as the season progresses as well. But, you know, the next step is just finding a guy who you can rely on to go out there and, and try it from 38 to 44 yards and, and feel comfortable he's going to make it. And that was just something they didn't have last year. They didn't really have that the year before. So I think that's sort of the, the next step for them in the kicking game. And I, I do expect Peyton Henry to get first crack at it here. So when you talk about the state of the program, couldn't I argue that it's in the best state since Don James in the early 90s? No, I don't think there's any question. Um, you know, if you look at what they've what they've tangibly accomplished on the field, it's two conference titles in three years, three consecutive New Year's Six Bowl games. Um, you know, they've they've won ten or more games in three consecutive years, which is something that had never happened in the history of the program. Um, throw a little bit of an asterisk on that because they you know they're playing thirteen and fourteen games, but uh, you, you know they've recruited I think at a higher level than they have 
consistently in, in this sort of modern recruiting era. Um, they've steadily risen in, in the class rankings. They just signed 15 four-star recruits in, in their most recent class, which was something that was sort of unheard of in, in any of the time between Don James and Chris Peterson. So, yeah, you know, the, the next step certainly is winning one of those big New Year's Six Bowl games and, and beating one of those sort of elite national brands on a national big-time primetime stage. That's something that has eluded them so far, but um, just the, the way that things are trending with recruiting, the games they've already won, the conference championships they've already won, yeah, I mean, there, there's no question this is as, as healthy as the program has been any time since the early 90s, and it's, it's not really close. It looks like Oregon and Washington might be peaking at the same time. That's been one of the better rivalries. It hasn't been, you know, cross town or, uh, you know, inside a state. So are we ready for Washington Oregon to be kind of the kind of game that game day shows up for? Are these two programs poised, you think, to be really good at the same time for a while? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think you talk about how Washington is recruited. Well, Oregon just signed the, the seventh best class in the country in, in 2019. And, you know, they're a, a major presence in Southern California. Took a, a bit of a step last year. I think after they beat Washington, folks sort of expected them to maybe seize the control of the North a little bit more, or at least make themselves a player in the North. And then obviously things fizzled and they weren't there at the end, but you know, they've, they've got all the pieces back this year. It seems like they've recruited at a high enough level in the last few classes to, to keep it going. And now it's just a matter of, Hey, can, can Mario Cristobal and that staff develop that talent, um, you know, replace, you know, even looking into the future past this year can can they find a, a suitable replacement for Justin Herbert at quarterback and, um, you know, can can they just sort of plug and play with the way that Washington has the last few years? So, yeah, I think that rivalry is sort of entering a, a new era that, that could be really, really fun where, you know, hey, maybe the, the Pac-12 North title has to run through Eugene or Seattle every year for the foreseeable future. Well, we appreciate a little time. Thanks for joining us here, Christian, to uh, get us up to speed on the Washington Huskies. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you.